This is a Strategist, episode 1253. My name is Zane Belgi. With me, as always, Corey Hogan, Stephen Carter. Guys, we have done it. We are here. We have assembled. This is a this yeah. is great. And of course, yeah. Carter, it's the big wonderful. Zane Velji diaries drop happened on Zoom yesterday. Oh my god, it was it was massive. Uh, and let me tell you something. Uh, open book. Everyone knows everything about me. Yeah. You say more than we want to, Wayne. frankly. Yeah. Hey, Carter, are you? You guys are both off X, right? So you guys aren't going to be paying the monthly fee. It now costs. <laughs> Boy, how are you off Twitter slash X and are sending us all these tweets? Can you explain this to people? You are yeah, not off it. You are. Oh no, I'm, not I'm off it. it. I'm for sure off it. But well, you're sending I, us all these articles. All right, I have two sources. One is oh just because somebody is off X doesn't mean. People don't send them yeah. articles like wrapped in that X thing, and you copy. Oh, so you just forward things. people. So you're like, I just forward. Okay, yeah, so you're just exactly. Like, yeah, pretty much like all my ants. That's good. <laughs> you mindlessly forward. Yeah, you're, yeah. Okay, that's good. Pretty, we call you yeah, what that's happened. Pretty racist, though, Zane, because my white dad no, no, also no, no, does no. that. So, um, you know, nope, no, no, no. Um, yeah. Corey's what we call a WhatsApp aunt. Okay. Uh, or okay. auntie, as we say in my culture, uh, which no, is we say, you know what we say aunt in my culture too, being from uh, the east coast of Canada. So, uh, which by the way, Corey, Corey, you can find a lot more about Corey at WhatsAppAuntie.ca, uh, which is of course going to be his uh, his new handle, uh, Carter, because oh, we definitely we definitely own that now. So, so that's number one. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. The second way I get exposed to X, uh, you know, the sewer as it is, is yeah. when I log into the strategist account to post something for the strategist, right? Like new episode coming or something like that and uh yeah i mean that's basically my exposure at this point i haven't quit like when i left you literally it, I said you're off of it like two minutes ago you gave no, us a no, long but excuse it's and now different. you said you haven't it's quit different oh no no it's no no different oh yeah. you guys are you guys are just so fucking I, annoying i left i said like i'm gonna leave it for a few weeks i'll come back that was about a month mm-hmm. ago now probably i i reserve the right to go in and see if it still sucks in a bit but I, i'm not gonna pay for it so probably this is r.i.p twitter uh, Carter, any um, any comments from you? Any insights from you, uh, Carter, our resident WhatsApp uncle? I'll tell you something. Love and threads. Uh, I log in and look at it. No one is. Nothing that. is happening. No one is. There's no. There's <laughs> nothing there. No one's posted. Oh, it's silent. It's great. It's good. Yeah. It's good. It's like crickets. Uh, okay, we're gonna we're gonna actually uh, start this this show off. Uh, I've heard a lot of comments about people not liking our banter up front, uh, which means we're gonna continue. Oh, let's the do some more banter that makes that, sense. Uh, like, yeah. yeah, that's good. That's good. I've heard some pointed criticism, and to them, I say the shit is free, and we're gonna do whatever the fuck we want. Corey, what else do you want to talk about? What other inane topics? Yeah, do you now have we got to come up with some stuff. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, who's complaining about the start of our episodes uh, now that your father is deceased? I just yeah, don't understand. Exactly. That was okay. Wow, <laughs> Jesus! Usually, <laughs> usually it's me who goes too far. Today it's Corey. Thank That's you. fantastic. Be, oh, I love one it. year anniversary of my father passing away. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> it's Corey. not the day. I mean, he waited for no, a while. No, but it's. Very close. All right, yeah, yeah. Sorry, like I, I, I am prone to those Hassan Minaj style yeah. emotional truths coming out. Yeah, sorry about that. Those, those I feel like, wow, this is turning into good. quite the episode. To... I must tell you. Yeah, this is. We're off to a great start. That's better than the most in the first five minutes. Let's move it on to our first segment. Our first segment: Why the fuck do they still do this, guys? This is a segment. Of course, we introduced in episode eleven oh nine. I want to bring it back. This is an ongoing segment. I like to keep into the mix, and I want to stress test political tactics. Why do we still do this? Or Carter, more specifically, why the fuck do we still do this? And today, I want to take you to London, Ontario. You you guys remember Justin Trudeau had his. 
caucus retreat. Um, he, he was a day late. He was late from India. We'll talk about India in a second. Uh, he shows up to the caucus retreat. There's probably a lot of questions for him. We don't know what's necessarily what happened. There's some leaked sources. But after the caucus retreat, Carter, you have Justin Trudeau standing behind the human wall of caucus yeah. members, ministers, um, backbenchers, the entire liberal caucus. They, they do the human wall. And naturally, the media, knowing that this is a tense moment for the liberals, they're down in the polls, are looking for folks within that human wall that may not necessarily be so happy, might be gazing away, might be rolling their eyes. The focus, the attention is drawn away from Trudeau. Carter, the question I ask you today in this segment of why the fuck do we still do this? Why the fuck do we still do the human wall of politicians. I always understand the human wall of people that look like you so you see yourself in them, but the human wall of politicians? Should we be ending this practice? Give me the justification. Should we keep it? Should Listen, we- I mean, you, you've pointed out the justification for it. The justification is that, you you know, you see the people that are there. It's an easy visual. It's an easy thing to kind of show the, the normalcy or the, the you know, how wonderful everybody is. Uh, why do we still do it? I'm, I don't know. I do not like it. I, you know, I, I've stopped using the human wall. Um, I'm not even sure if I've ever used it. I'm sure someone will well, dig up a package of me doing it. To be it. clear, Carter. I'm talking about the human wall of politicians I, behind the politician. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm saying I don't, you know, I don't understand why we're doing that. It doesn't make sense to me. It is a uh, dated idea that that creates more tension than it dis, that it dissipates, right? Uh, because now people are put into prop mode, and I'm not sure about you guys, but I don't find a lot of people like being used as a prop. Uh, so it creates some some bias, some upset, uh, because people are, are angry that they're being used um, literally to shield people in some cases. So, I mean, I understand why we do it. It's a simple photo. It's simple. It, it's simple storytelling. But I think we've moved beyond simple storytelling. And this is it's it's outliving its usefulness. Uh, I'll throw it over to Corey to tell me. Uh, Tell me why I'm Carter, wrong. Carter, before you throw it over, before you throw it over to Corey, which is my job, are you advocating that we kill the human wall of fellow politicians? Absolutely. Is that is that your Absolutely. Pick? Corey, Corey, are we killing the human wall of of politicians with the politician right at the front at the apex of it? And Justin Trudeau is not the only person committing this crime. We've seen this through and through. This is why I want to bring it up. He's just the most recent example. Sure. I've, we've seen versions of it here in Alberta with Danielle Smith. When she became leader, it was more like the 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 mob of people playing paintball and hanging out and nodding thoughtfully as she said things in in clips released of those caucus meetings when she first got the job of UCP leader. I, I mean, the reason they do it is simple. It's a way to visually say, I do not stand alone. We are united. There's talk about the unity of the Liberal Party having cracks in it. And so as a result, they try to give these, this counter visual, they counter program it with everybody there. Now, I generally don't think it's a great idea. First of all, it kind of reeks of mm-hmm. insincerity, especially after you've had the liberals biting each other's backs in the press. And we know mm-hmm. that there are sources that are there. So you're going to have people with insincere, shit-eating grins, smiling, supporting the leader that you know they were talking. Like When you're in the media, you know that this person was just talking to you about how unhappy they are three days yeah. ago. Right. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it's show, don't tell taken to stupid places, to dangerous places. I, I understand why people are looking for that quick visual, that quick hit. But I also think in some ways it just it underlines that you can't trust these people. 
with visuals like this, which, of course, um, you know, given that journalism school is four years, uh, you can assume most journalists are over four years old and they know you can't trust people. But um, nonetheless, uh, it's something that just sort of rubs their nose in it. Like, yeah, this is all theater. You're all just doing your thing. It's all bullshit. And so I just I don't think that it's a great thing for prime ministers to do it, if only for that reason. You mentioned the other, which is somebody might crack, somebody might yawn, uh, and all of a sudden you've got a visual that was unnecessary. You know, you're, you've got a lot of error points when you've got over 100 people behind you. And the reason I brought it up this time, Carter, is because there was a preordained story that that folks were looking to tell, yeah. right? That they were looking for that fracture. They were looking for that dissent. They were looking for that annoyance or that lack of enthusiasm. And, and so, you know, you can find it if you want in the human wall in some ways. Carter, your, your take on this, and I want to get into solutions because this episode, as you guys know, with the many times oh, we've yeah. done it, even at the time we've replace door hangers we've said what do we what's the solution That's uh, true. right no we've done we've done it from the beginning uh carter i want a solution to this if 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 they asked you to stage it what is the solution to the human wall if you couldn't do it if you wanted to show to Corey's point solidarity unity i mean it would be really interesting to come up with a different idea of what can be done what i would probably consider you know how the media all stand in a kind of a roped penned area right they're all kind of held in in a space that's held back by stanchions or whatever I would love for an entire cabinet of 32 people to walk over to the journalists and start talking to them each individually, right? To show that we've got confidence in ourselves and, we, and we're and we going to have a good relationship with the media. We're going to have a conversation. If someone gets a cabinet minister they don't want to talk to, they can talk to someone else. But but show strength by being strong. You mean like a post? You mean like a post-debate spin room situation? Almost, you know, where everybody's just walking up and they're and they're they're not because what this is designed to do is to show <laughs> that would be very disorienting. 30, as a, Thirty-two as a people rejecting That's, the premise at the same time. That's good. All I'm trying to say is that this is bad theater, right? It's bad theater. I'm trying to come up with something that might have better storytelling, right? What's the story you're trying to tell? We're all united. We're all confident. We're all in this together. Okay, then let's do that. Let's actually show that in some fashion. Um, you know, it's the same thing that we, you know, you could do something similar to what we do in conventions where the, the cabinet ministers each have a table, right? Like open it up instead of closing it off would be uh, kind of a counter programming move that could, and I'm not saying this is the best idea in the world, but it's just, I'm trying to come up with something that would do anything that would allow this to be more successful. Well, at the same time, uh, you know, achieving the end goal, which is to show unity. I, I appreciate it, Carter. I actually kind of like it. Corey, you have anything? Well, I want to throw on the table first and foremost that there is a certain class photo element to these pictures yeah. too, right? <laughs> yeah, that, sure. I, I mean that both in positive and negative senses. They will often get together and say, oh, let's get a group photo at, at caucus meetings. You don't always invite the media to them, but I every single caucus ever has done a version of this let's all stand on the stairs together let's get a photo of this we had this at the retreat and then that's the thing that goes up in the caucus rooms yeah. and whatnot that mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. and they get updated regularly so i i think that you have to do it 
right? Doesn't need to be in front of the media, but people would read into it not happening as well. So, so like, like you got to at least acknowledge that that's a. Oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. I'm talking specifically yeah. for for the media, like oh, presser, I get right, like the, the theater for that. Yeah, and I hear you. I, I, and I guess I'm I would just say any like, you're not entirely eliminating. <laughs> that's the. You're not entirely the eliminating that particular moment. If you want to show that kind of solidarity, I talked about this. You know, they were trying to do show, don't tell to stupid places. I think what would actually be far more powerful and it would require a, a PMO who was really on the ball is the people that, you know, have been grumbling to the media. You find them and you say, now what I want you to do is I want you to go call that reporter who I know you talk to because your voice rang through in those quotes. And I want you to say, I was a good caucus retreat and I'm feeling a lot better about things. Right. That's a little more powerful. That's going to have a little bit more currency. Now, sadly, that's never going to become a story because it's not the conflict that people are looking for. There's but, another way of doing hey. that, too, Corey. I mean, the other way of doing it is to say, let's go do some media together. Let's go do some media together. And, <laughs> you know, you don't have to say, I know you talked to this guy. Right. But you can say, we're going to do a little media tour. If your region, I'm coming out in two weeks and we're going to do it together. Um, here's our talking points. Let's be ready to go. I, I mean, that almost feels like rewarding disloyalty. So I'm not such a fan of that. You know but, what though? Yeah. You do kind of have to, I mean, there is something to be said for, if you're going to keep them in the tent, you have to, you almost have to feed the disloyalty. I mean, you can still go to the people who've been loyal, but you don't need to spend as much time with the people who've been loyal. Keep your enemies close, closer, closer, right? Like you keep your enemies close, closer, closer. That's what people are always you know what? saying. I, Mangled it a little bit, but you jumping onto it. Is <laughs> no, you what no, no, no. You you just created a new T-shirt. Is what hurt? Which is going to be a new you know, bestseller. Is, is what I had done. your back. You <laughs> so upsetting. That's pretty you good. Did. That's actually we could put that at the back. I had your back. Could be on the yeah. Back it would or, be, it'd be really nice. It's pretty good. Keep your enemies close, closer, and then on the back, I had your back. It's yeah. past tense. I like the it. other thing bad. is I'd really like in the class photo if they could Photoshop in uh, uh, Jack Torrance uh, as the bartender in each of them. Right, just as a little bit of an Easter egg for the Cuba case. That's really good. It's really funny. Thanks. I really like that one. Carter, do you have any clue what he's talking about? <laughs> We're killing the class photo media presser of fellow politicians. Let's move it on to our next segment. Our next segment, liberal potpourri, guys. The liberal world order. We have to talk about it. We spent a lot of time on Pierre Polyev. Let's spend some time on Justin Trudeau and the liberals. They've got a lot of distinct stories, strategies issues, policies to deal with. I want to go through a few of them that they're currently reconciling, trying to work on. Um, We have a a new session that has begun ultimately. Corey, let's start with this. They've called in the grocery store CEOs. In fact, they called them in earlier today. They called them into Ottawa. They did a bit of a redux of a Jugmeet Singh. They did it with the power of government. Walk me through in your mind what the strategy was. Was it successful? Was it not? Give me your, your sense of this particular play. And let us let me add a bit of context. This is on the heels of Justin Trudeau not being such a big fan of Jugmeet Singh's approach to go after grocery store CEOs just mere months ago. And now they're called with the power of government to have some conversations to quote unquote stabilize grocery prices. What do you think of this liberal strategy? Let's start here as we begin the potpourri of liberal things that that they currently have on their plate. Well, it would appear, at least from the outside, like this is part of a broader strategy of clearing the decks uh, and doing that through some strategic surrenders, right? So whether that be on housing to Pierre Polyev's worldview, where Mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're introducing policies he's been calling for and policies you have 
actively rejected in 2017, uh, yes. right? When you officially walked away from, you know, a policy commitment to uh, get rid well, of GST. Well, let's also, let's also give you some credit for the idea for uh, continued liberal kleptomania. Okay. Uh, and Carter wants that some credit me. too. Both of yeah. you suggested, but mainly Corey, <laughs> uh, both of you, but mainly Corey suggested that this should be something that the liberals pursue. Yeah. Is there ongoing history of kleptomania should continue, not just to the left, which they've been a big fan of stealing ideas from the NDP, but steal Pierre's ideas. And there have been a few of those over the last week. But Corey, on this particular one, I'll let you continue. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I don't mean this even as a criticism of the liberals, but they've made strategic surrenders on issues they were getting killed on. They said, well, the conservatives are eating our lunch on housing. So do we really actually have a problem with the conservative approach? Maybe we can do that. And I think they've said, we are not doing particularly well on affordability. And uh, what the NDP are proposing on affordability in terms of this seems very popular as well. So maybe we're going to go do that as well, too. So you know, I don't read it as part of like a brilliant liberal strategy for the path forward. I see this as closing doors that they're worried angry dogs are going to run through. So by mm. uh, taking on some of these strategies of some of their opponents, they're limiting the vectors of attack. And, and that's how I read this. And frankly, I don't expect an awful lot out of it, except to be able to say, yeah, we did that. We tried to be tough with these CEOs. We brought them to Ottawa. Have you ever been to Ottawa? I mean, they, they, we're serious. Carter. It was an idea they did not like. The prime minister is on the record saying, I don't love this. I'm paraphrasing, of course. Yeah. Mere months later, he brings them in, right? This is the power of his government, and then tries to hold their feet to the fire around rising grocery prices. Walk me through what you think the strategy is. And in fact, even, even more specifically, who you think the audience might be for a strategy like this. Because the criticism they're facing is that they're late. It, in fact, reinforces an ongoing criticism of out of touch and, and, uh, and, 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 and behind a step. Yeah, I mean, that's way better than not taking any action. I would way rather be criticized yeah. for being a day late than being, a, you know, not at the table at all. You know, st and stealing people's ideas. Um, great. Go for it. You know, like, who cares? No one's keeping tabs of who whose ideas were whose. I mean, sure, we are, but no one in the real world is. So just go do what needs to be done. Um, take credit where you get credit. And if you don't get credit, then keep doing keep stealing more ideas. I think that this was really the only choice that the the liberals had was if you're going to put in you know i had a survey in the field the other day and we had cost of living cost of housing and number one and two in people's issues yeah. um you know i mean you, you got to deal with them you're the government and you're in your tanking uh and someone should be saying to the to the pmo we got some low-hanging fruit here yeah uh, the low-hanging fruit was accessed once before by the NDP and the Conservatives. I, I, but that doesn't exclude it. You don't take good ideas and say, well, our opponents thought of them, therefore they're not good ideas anymore. Um, yeah, it just I doesn't work. Could not agree more. Yeah, I mean, and the attack of that was my idea and you're a day late is, is kind of petty process shit that doesn't tend to resonate with the electorate, yeah. right? You described it as a liberal kleptomania. I, I think that's a fun phrase, but the idea is is that the liberals were willing to take ideas and not worry too much about the, you know, you know who was the father of the idea, who was the mother of the idea, and people don't really care if you thought of it first. That's that's kind of one of those truisms in politics, at least I've I've observed over the oh, decades, yeah. which is that it's it's the kind of thing that only matters to the most inside of insiders. 
so let's talk about this. Actually, you know, and expand the scope on this this idea of of policy theft or idea theft, right? Like ideas are dime a dozen. Um, policies are a dime a dozen. It's it's really about how you execute them in certain ways. But is there a point, Carter, where people start caring? Because here's I, here's where I can naturally see that the liberals keep. I'm not saying this is singularly what they're doing because this is unfair to them. Let they keep stealing ideas, some from the NDP, some from the conservatives, rinse, repeat over and over. And at some point, it's like, do you, what is your purpose of existing, liberals? Like, well, what is, at some point, does it, does it pay, does, does it cost them? I guess is, is my question, Carter, right? Like, this is what I, Corey's saying, like, you know, he's seen historically, uh, the authorship doesn't matter. When does it start? It matter? doesn't. Can, can I make a, yeah, can I make an argument, Please. Zane? That the traditional role of the Liberal Party was to be to that steal the best. To say stuff. this is an okay idea from the right. This is an okay idea from the left. We're going to do both of them. And one of the arguments that was always made about the value of centrist parties, accept it or don't, I don't, I don't really care. And I can certainly see the downside with it too. Is that they're less worried about that ideological purity, and they'll just take the things that work for them at that particular moment. And you there. don't have to give credit. Right, like it's not like the the liberals are running around thanking Tommy Douglas for the universal healthcare ideas. They brought in universal health, like they get the opportunity to say this was us. Brian Mulroney was stealing from them too. I mean, like everybody steals the ideas. Once you put an idea okay. out there, it no longer comes along with an authorship. I mean, how many times have Corey and I put out really good ideas, right? Solid ideas. Ideas that we've articulated very clearly. And then you just run off to the CBC and you put them up on PNP or whatever they're paying you 500 bucks an appearance for, you know, and you, that's fine with us because once we speak it, it becomes everybody's. It's everybody's. Uh, You get to take it. Oh, it's so good. Corey, before I, I, I uh, before I ask you about the content, anything to say about my my deceased father? Before any other comments on that front? Before, <laughs> you okay, you got that out of your system. Okay, good. Uh, I'm saving it for the lightning round. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, Carter. Do you have something to say? <laughs> I miss him. I miss him. That's all I have to say. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Carter. I appreciate it. Jesus <laughs> Christ. People are people are. Yeah. That's an episode. Uh, thank, thank God my mom doesn't listen. Uh, okay. <laughs> Look. Um, there is, there's this notion. But can I ask you a question before you talk about you, yeah, before sure. you meander on? Is this actually like a unique position for the liberals? Like, or, or do the conservatives have the same opportunity for theft as much as the liberals have? Because you've talked about the historical, a right. little bit of left, a little bit of right, a little bit of left, a little bit of right. Um, is this unique to them? Or do you like this sort of ability without, you know, fault? Or, or, or do you think that the conservatives have the same ability to maybe steal from the new Democrats as they try to uh, win over some some union or, or, or labor-like voters? I would argue the conservatives are at their most successful when they are the most inclined mm-hmm. to steal, right? When they show the least ideological purity and yeah. they're willing to do things like, you know, boutique tax credits that are very popular with people, but don't naturally match kind of this conservative ideology, yeah, right? Sure. And um and that's almost been like the deal with the devil that parties on the right or parties on the left have to do. You know, you try to get elected, that means getting more people, and that means speaking to more people, which means putting things on the table that are not just about your base. But I you know, I, I think the liberals are probably a little better positioned to do that just because of where they are on the spectrum, right? Just the the situation that they find themselves in is they can steal from the left or the right, and it's not too far in either case. But I wanted to say that there's this this notion of like an idea having value 
And then there's the notion that the action has the value. And I think in in politics, I think in public discourse, I'm talking about electoral politics here, I'm talking about voter discourse, I think the action gets more credit, right? It's it's this extension mm-hmm. of this Steve Jobs idea. Steve Jobs famously said, real artists ship. And the, the argument was, it, everyone has ideas. Yeah, everyone has ideas. There's no art and ideas. The idea is not thinking of the Mac. The the art is in building the Mac, right? And um, putting those things into action and executing on them, getting it out the door. And people generally credit you for getting it out the door. And so when you're government, you have this massive mover advantage where no matter who came up with it, you get to have credit for it because you were the one who did it at the end of the day. And that's a power I think more governments should use. And I think that is one of the fundamental tensions that any government has with its true believers. Uh, also said by Steve Jobs, uh, you are not my daughter. Uh, Carter, uh, <laughs> I am actually literally looking at the Walter Isaacson biography. I'm not going to get into it. Carter, yes. Carter, talk to me about this. This is interesting to me. And I'll get back to Jugmeet, uh, to, to, to Justin Trudeau uh, stealing some Jugmeet Singh ideas, which is, which is what the heart of this question was. Your thought on the conservative ability for theft in terms of idea. And Corey, I don't mean to drive by your idea versus action. I think that's a really interesting framework. What gets the political credit? What gets the voter credit? Carter, your response to that or any reaction to that, but also the same question to you around conservatives and their abilities. I think that, you know, so we, we, Corey's mentioned uh, before on the podcast that at one point the, uh, the liberals were the party uh, supporting free trade and the conservatives were the party opposing free trade. And and over the course of time, they switched positions. So there's this kind of natural ideological switch that happens too, where an idea may have existed previously in time or in the, in the, uh, kind of the attitudes of the time where, you know, gay marriage may have been a problem for conservatives at one point, and then they shift rather dramatically and say, you know what, this is an anchor around our necks. We're no longer going to hold this position. We're going to push it away. Um, so there, there's different types of idea stealing. Um, the blatant idea stealing, like, I, I always think kind of like of Mulroney and the Canada Health Act, right? Like, to, to put into... Uh, very distinct terms to step on the provincial rights of, of delivering health care. Um, you know, like there'd been pieces of it before, but Mulroney really jumped in and, and codified it. And, you know, that was just good politics. That was taking a giant win for himself, right? So all of this comes back to why do we do politics the way we do politics? And the best politics is done with uh, a degree of leadership, right? And, and a degree of reflection, and both of those things fit into stealing the ideas, right? I'm reflecting the population, right? The population wants this yeah, to happen, yeah, sure, sure. but I will also lead by taking it to action. And so if you're going to balance off, and I, I always talk to my clients about balancing off leadership and, and, and reflection, because if you, if, you mm. have the, if you have both of them, and it doesn't mean in equal measure, but if you have both of them, then you are able to be a very solid politician, and stealing the idea is about is about that leadership and that reflection. That's interesting. Quite yeah, I'm going to almost go back to a Jobsian quote, right, where he talks about, you know, people you know, borrowing from a Henry Ford quote, right? Like people don't know what they want, right? Like they would they would have never asked for the iPhone with the touch screen like we invented. What the fuck did they know in terms of what they want? He was, you know, in 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 this reductive sense, in the pure leadership 
category. Who cares about reflecting their needs? If they reflected their needs, they just want more keyboards or a better keyboard on their phone to, to um, extend that example. So your, your thoughts on this? And, and I, do, I will get back to, to, the, to this point on, on, on groceries in a second. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. I generally think in politics, politicians have their own frameworks, political insiders have their own frameworks. But if you want to understand how the public reacts to a lot of what goes on in politics, I like to lay it over a workplace environment. And and, and you'll sort of see behavior that people reward or punish a little more clearly there. And mm. in, in a workplace... Pushing off others people's ideas, that's that's a defensive thing. People don't really like that. You don't like that idea just because it's from another person. Accepting other people's ideas, even people who disagree with you, even people who might be people who oppose you, well, that's magnanimous and strong. And that's the kind of behavior we like to see in leaders. So I think the other thing that we haven't talked about, but I want to put on the table, is that a lot of people see a lot of strength and confidence in saying, yeah, you know what? I was wrong. That's actually a pretty good idea. We're, we're going to do that now, right? And it suggests a certain kind of openness and confidence that is not such a bad look on a government. Now, I don't want to overstate it. It's not like everyone's like, oh, yeah, Justin Trudeau is doing this from a position of strength. Look at his BDE. But um, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, Carter, BDE? Um, bedroom uh, decor uh, environment. Uh-huh. <laughs> not bad not bad Carter hey hey hey, Corey talk to me about this I'm going to posit a theory for you sure um, Justin Trudeau bringing out the grocers was for an audience of one it was for Jagmeet Singh to showcase that this supply and conference agreement is still working he can take that back to the NDP base saying let's keep this going because the last thing the liberal want, liberals want is an election any any merit in that interesting um I would say, absent my knowledge of the polls, I, it's a really strong theory. But the reality is the NDP are not doing particularly well in the polls either. Normally, when the liberals go down... Yeah, normally, yeah, when yeah. the liberals go down in the polls, the NDP go up. That hasn't happened. And, and we're kind of looking at a conservative government. So I don't think this confidence and supply agreement has ever been more secure than it is right now. Because <sighs> they're going to lose all of their authority going forward. But I think it's a fascinating notion... And it's very possible it's part of the theater that both leaders know they need to play in order to maintain the status quo that is better than the alternative for either of them. Carter, what do you think of that theory, that this is for Jagmeet Singh to, to go back to his base and say, look, this is paying dividends. Let's keep this thing going. It's missing one key element, and that's Jagmeet Singh. Which is? Yeah, you, you don't get to do mm. that, you know, <laughs> if you don't give the credit for it. Like when you never, you never credit, credit Corey or I, right? So it doesn't feel good. There's never it time. doesn't feel good. Never time. And they don't want. <laughs> so they don't want they don't why want not? Why not crediting? You're you're taking away. Okay, the world has changed. The they value. want brown people to say white people ideas. I don't know if you haven't kept up in the last oh, five no. years. That's I'm what they very like. aware That's of what they, what they, like. they want. Okay. Hold on. Let's pause there. Go for it. Yeah. Let, 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 <laughs> let, let's unpack. Let's, yeah. let's unpack oh, that. No. Yeah. Let's unpack. Very aware. How they want. How they want. Go ahead, Carter. Yeah, Carter, expand yeah, on that. Oh, no. Why that. are you aware? What's going on? What they want how, how is they you? want Zane's yeah. level of intelligence instead of my level of intelligence. That's all I'm saying. Okay. And wow. who's they? Just yeah, a who's curiosity. They? It's Lorna. Really? Justice <laughs> 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 Carter. <laughs> Maybe Kathleen sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Carter. Okay. We're going to have to bleep that out. Um, I'm not bleeping it out. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm no, for sure not, not right going to do that. That's Can we met work. Corey? Yeah. There's no way. Work. Uh, Carter, yeah. um, let's, let's talk about, um, let's talk about a different liberal strategy or a different thing that has happened this week in this liberal poker. Okay. We'll, we'll park the grocery store stuff for a second. Katie Telford has a massive, I think that's fair to say, massive profile written about her it in the Globe. It took me forever to get through and it. It's, forever. Corey, did you read it, by the way? Did you oh, guys yeah. both? Yeah. yeah, I read it. Well, you okay. said to us, so, read it, profile. and we did. So there I, you go. I actually found it interesting. This is a, and, and I'm not going to get into the same sort of strategy of profiles, because we did a show with that, about that with, with Annalise yeah. Carter, where we talked about chief of staff and, and political, and I think that was a good episode we did. Um, but I want to talk about just the takeaways here, because we're talking about the liberals, yeah. right? So this is a profile that's many thousands of words, if I'm not mistaken. It at least, least rivaled thousands. mine, uh, right? Like it, it <laughs> absolutely rivaled my sprawl. Uh, one thing, one thing in this case, uh, Katie Telford did not sit down with the author Carter, which uh, she took a very different she strategy. Uh, <laughs> unlike you, yeah, yeah. she, she did not. Uh, she did not try to over override the story with her with her interview. But in some cases, extremely like flattering, glowing words about her. In other cases, saying that her linkage to Justin Trudeau is one of the reasons that that there's been so much well, error ball that the, that the liberals have, have essentially played. Carter, your initial takeaway, and, and less so that there was a profile and the strategy behind it, because well, that, that was for a different episode, the takeaway from what you got, and you could start with why there was a profile about Katie Telford, what you think that signals, uh, and then what you extracted from it, because I, I want to tease out some of the, the strategy that, that you well, see. First there. of all, I thought it was an excellent profile, and it, it did reflect the Katie that I, I know. Um, and I think you guys know I have a tremendous amount of time for Katie Telford. I think she's a very talented political operative. Uh, I, you know, I am in awe of how long she's lasted in the office. Um, and I think that she does, for the most part, a very good job. I also think that she's got weaknesses, and those weaknesses are the ones that we've talked about on this podcast about a thousand times, especially about, and, and it was ironic because the list of mistakes that we've been talking about on this podcast, it was like they listened to the podcast and wrote them down into the, into the, uh, into the Globe and Mail article. Um, no one's perfect. And this felt to me like a, a preemptive article that sets the tone and the space for the inevitable takedown. Um, so uh, Oh, interesting. You think this is like a part one of two oh, yeah, for situation? Sure. This is this is setting up the why they lost, why they lose story. And it will be, you know, um, you know, Jeremy Broadhurst quotes will be uh, turned around a little bit about the controls and the other things. And, um, you know, so there will be a. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if Justin Trudeau had been following, you know, and paying more attention, he would have seen these problems. Uh, it was written right there in the Globe and Mail. So to me, this is a setup piece for the inevitable downfall. And not because Katie's necessarily going to cause it, but because, as we all are aware, governments go up, governments go down. And right now, smart money's on Justin Trudeau's government going down. Um you know, I mean, we've got a we've got a comment on our Patreon saying we shouldn't talk about such sins, um, but this is the truth. This is where we are right now. If an election were held today, I cannot imagine, um, you know, P Trudeau hanging on. How they win? Like it just can't. How they yeah. win? Yeah. Um, yeah. We'd have yeah. to do a whole another strategy episode, Corey. I mean, we'd have to pay for another poll. God, where would we get the money? I guess the Patreon. Yeah. I mean, that's that's money. Otherwise, goes to. Us, yeah. Though, you know, yeah, that's true. We could probably just you make know what we do. Numbers. We cut 
We yeah. cut we probably Zane's, sell some of our domain we cut names. Zane's money. We should try to sell Zane. every single one of our domain names for a thousand dollars as an auction. Okay. Yeah, we can, you have so many. What, what, what's the Patrick Brown one? People can buy that for a thousand dollars, Corey. Yeah, disgraced leader Patrick Brown, I believe. Disgraced leader Brown.ca. I mean, do you want that? I think it's multi-purpose. Okay, yeah, it could be it's coming a, in handy. It's it's a multi-purpose. Yeah. <laughs> you could you could you, you <laughs> can use that anytime. It's a thousand dollars. Okay, helps us pay for full. Corey, talk to me about the card. I'm, I'm I am capturing your thread about this could be part one of two. This could be about the downfall. I've, uh, but Corey, I want Corey's thoughts on the table, and and then I want to mold this into a conversation about strategy, maybe even specifically about Katie and what she does. Uh, but Corey, your thoughts here on what you saw uh, when you read that that profile. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll echo some of Stephen's thoughts. I thought it was an excellent profile. I I think a lot of it rings pretty true. I don't I don't know Katie great. I've I've certainly met Katie multiple times, but it's um it's definitely one of those things where you read and you're like, oh well, yeah, that's the discourse. Like you you can absolutely see what the Ottawa discourse is as you're going through it there. And, uh, you know, for me, what really struck me about it was the just the way it expanded upon and gave some texture to this notion that Justin Trudeau and Katie Telford need each other. They trust each other. They were the ones with their backs against the wall, everybody doubting them as far back as like 2014, 2015. They got through it. They they managed to uh, prove everybody wrong. Uh, but they might have some of the same weaknesses and they might have the same gaps and they are both introverts and governments over time tend to get bunker mentality anyhow. And because they have perhaps some of the things that would lend them to be bunker mentality, even in better times, maybe there's some trouble. And maybe because they see things so much the same way and they have the same expectations for the world, they have some blindness on some of this stuff that you look at and you're like, how did people not talk about this? You know, there was a list of stuff that was, we have talked about it. Things like the We Charity scandal and, uh, you know, the idea of going surfing into Fino on the first National Truth and Reconciliation Day. But I think the list actually missed a lot of very obvious political yeah. ones too. And, and not that those are not political ones, but those are more like, there was an event, how did we react to it? But I'm talking more like thrust of policy and strategy. Like the... Let's just use this foreign inquiry as an example. It was obvious to everybody six months ago. As much as I would like to say it was only obvious to us, it was not. Literally yeah. every commentator was saying, we're just going to end up here anyways, right? What What is this government doing? Why is it doing this in the most painful way possible? And sure enough, six months later, we ended up exactly there. And I have a hard time believing that would happen if there wasn't actually a little bit more tension in the PMO. They might be... They might be like too simpatico, yeah. I think is one of the theses of the article. And it's an interesting thought. And it's something that's going to be sticking with me for a bit. Carter, you know, I, I, we've, t- we've had episodes about political profiles. We've had episodes about chief of staff relationships. We've had these kind of broader conversations. I'm going to try to keep this one narrow, okay. right? Because I think I want to deal with the narrow issue in front of us because I just broadened the scope on the previous question about kleptomania. Should Katie leave? And how does one leave? How does one leave? Like, how does one leave when you have been an architect for so long, right? Like, do you have to go down with, with the ship? Is it an obligation? Like, and I guess I'm broadening the scope already, but I, I guess my question for you is, is yeah. just this. Uh, like, I, 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 well, it is in the confines of this particular relationship. 
in the confines of this Trudeau-Katie Telford relationship. As as co-author of the country for the last number of years, does she have to stay on or should she leave? Carl? Well, let, let's go through what I think her decision-making process should be. I think her decision-making yeah, process should be, um, wh- what do we need to do to win the next election? Like, forget it. Like, this isn't about scandal. This isn't about anything. This is about what do we need to make Justin Trudeau the next, you know, keep him as prime minister and ideally increase his seat count. Um, and my answers would be, you know, we're going to, we, we would need a new way of looking at things. We would need a new, um, some sort of a new framework because right now the framework that exists isn't elevating to the next level, right? There is mm. no, uh, you know, the, the, we talked about this, this cabinet shuffle, you know, being a, an attempt to try and right the ship. Um, you know, is a cabinet shuffle really enough to do so? Like, don't you need at some point a new way of thinking of things? You know, one thing I hadn't really realized, you know, you just kind of forget about it, is that when Jerry Butts left, um, they didn't replace him, right? And, you know, it was interesting just to read that again, because it isn't a one-person job. It is a multiple-person job. And like most prime ministers or first ministers, politicians, their teams get smaller over time, not bigger. And this is probably the time when they need a bigger team. And so if I were Katie Telford, what I'd be saying is, first of all, um, what do we need to win? And if we need something different to win, then how do I ensure that that happens? It may be her staying and saying to the prime minister, Listen, we're bringing in 14 new people into the PMO and they're going to be the ones that we listen to. You and you and I, you know, we're going to remain friends, we're going to remain uh confidants, we're going to be there together for each other, but we're going to start listening to the new team because we are in the shit right now. That could be one of the things that she comes up with, but she has to come up with something because right now it's just simply not working. Corey I like Carter's idea of decision-making tree, but I also, if you have a take on leave or go or stay and how, I'd also like to hear that. So your reaction to what you've heard, but also if you've got a direct answer to my question, I'd be curious to hear it and why. So uh, should Katie leave? Well, yeah, I think the next liberal leader and prime minister should have their own chief of staff. (laughs) Wow. But, you know, my more serious answer in the context of if she intends to stick around and if Justin Trudeau intends to stick around is I don't think she can leave. I don't think she can leave. I think that that Mm. would be disastrous for the liberals at this point. It would be so disruptive. She's so clearly part of the fabric, so deeply embedded. It would be like removing an organ, an essential organ. You just, you just can't do that this close to an election. I think it would take a year for somebody to come even within, you know, a hundred yards of what her power and capacity was. And the liberals mm-hmm, would just feel mm-hmm. that too much. I really think the answer is in finding a new, a new butts, right? You've got to find somebody who can do more of the narrative like conversation. A, like a 2IC pieces. sort of thing. Yeah. Well, the well yeah, or like a yeah. 1A IC. Yeah. Right. Like somebody who can be more focused on the strategy and the narrative and the storytelling and the and the overall arc that needs to be adhered to between now and the next election. And then, yeah, when you get to the next election, this is where you can get your numbers obsession again. And you can talk about how you squeeze the victory in in the marginal ridings. But the reality is, you know, it's so interesting. So often life comes back to these sports metaphors, but 
you only have to play the game of inches when it's a total grind, yeah. right? But if you've managed to put some, you know, distance on the scoreboard, you've managed to good, do a good air game. I'm now kind of oh, mixing. I like it. I like it. Mix them all football, up. Mix them all right? up. Yeah. No, that's good. Hey, yeah. then you don't need to worry about that war of inches. And I, I really think right now they've been trying to win too much by inches and not enough by, uh, you know, by yards. That's an interesting point. And so, and so you're saying that what's missing here potentially is the air war aspect, is the message. And I mean, the evidence is there that it is, that it is missing, yeah. right? Like we had, sure. we've, talked, we've talked about the story, the whether we want to say it as the me, we, now, Gens, like what are you here for story, or just the simple lack of ads that they have on the air about the story against the, the, their principal opponent let alone the story about themselves and what they're here for, other than to tout their past accomplishments that well, many have criticized them for. But Corey, yes, please. Yeah, let, let me just jump right off that. So Pierre Polyev being not defined by the liberals, just defining himself, I think that there needs to be somebody there saying, what's the fucking story? And if he's the villain in our fucking story, what are we doing to set it up so everybody goes, oh, that guy's bad in chapter two, right? Like, what what do we need to put on the table there? What are the pieces that overall lead to the climax and the denouement that we want here? And I that that is clearly, in my opinion, something the liberals have been missing for at least two elections at this point. And so that's something that I think the liberals should be candid with themselves about and say, okay, we got, we got to find that. And, you know, interestingly enough, I think based on that reporting and other reporting, it's going to have to be somebody that Justin Trudeau trusts a ton. But it's going to yeah. have to be somebody else. No one and, and, and here's the thing. They've, they've, they've lost like Cameron Ahmed. They've lost so many other folks. Right. And, and Corey, I, 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 Corey's analysis, I think is very astute Carter, because when you look at the last two elections, they lose the popular vote. They actually literally do win on a grind down of vote efficiency, right. Between Azam and Katie, uh, like talented operatives who like literally push this thing over the top. while still losing the popular vote and retaining government in in some miraculous fashion. Corey's right. It's like, like we've talked about this in the past. This is what's, what's missing. But Carter, let me go to your point directly. If it is, how do you get, and I'm, and I'm just committing the sin. I continue to commit the sin of broadening the scope, but Carter, um, how do you get someone in place when, when everyone is kind of left? This is nearly a decade. There is no Jerry Butts 2.0 who's just been waiting. Put me in coach in year eight. I'm ready to go. Right. I just want to, I'm just, there is no person like that. At least that we, that we know. This is the greatest weakness. So so how do you. This is the greatest weakness that Trudeau has. I mean, this is the greatest weakness of all governments, right? When you start to really reduce the number of people that you trust, when you do not, when you stop expanding the number of people that you're bringing in, eventually that means that the organization has an end date. Corporations work against this all the time. They're always trying to find new people to bring in because, you know, two people decide to leave and go and retire or someone goes to a, to a competitor and suddenly the, 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 you know, the, the C-suite is looking awfully weak. Um, so corporations would do this. In politics, we tend to, to, you know, everything is so personal. Everything is so, you know, like, it, it hurts, right? Like there's an actual pain that comes with politics that I don't think exists within the the corporate world. I, I could be proven wrong, but this is no, no. You're, this yeah, this yeah. pain prevents us from trusting sometimes. And what they really need is someone who will come in who is not beholden to the old ideas, who will come in and say, 
let's do this, and then they need to listen. And I just don't know that that person exists. I'm kind of with you. They've pushed them all out, not by not by choice, not because they wanted to push them out, but because that's no. what happens. You push them out. And so they're all gone, and now <laughs> um, there's a big, you know, there's a big problem, and what are you going to do? You know, it's interesting, Corey, right? Like in, in 20, I'll let you comment on this, but in 2015, everyone in their dog who was a progressive political operative that I know of, and I'm exaggerating a bit, but not a lot, would have gone to go work for the liberals. This was exciting, right? It was a decade yeah. of of Harperite sort Real of like change. politics. Well, We're there have wasn't. I mean, last many, election under first pass. I'm not going to breach any confidences, but how many of our friends do we know were like eager to be like, I want to get into this operation somehow, right? To be like, this is exciting. They may or may not have worked on the campaign, but they saw the outcome and they said, holy shit, like there's something happening here. And it, in some ways, it's like an organizational issue, which I know you've kind of compared this to a corporation or an organization where you you have a supply demand issue. Like you've got, you do, you have way more supply of folks that want to get in, so to speak, right? And, and or, or, or fewer supply of seats than you have demand of people who want to get in. And you could really use some of those folks now in year five, six, seven, eight, to, to kind of be part of your team, to mature, to grow uh, in, in a way when you had to say no to them in 2015. It's a really interesting sort of, if you look at through the longitudinal sort of period of time, it's an interesting human talent problem in terms of how you incubate this talent early, say yes to everyone that comes to you um, without maybe the trust factor and build that trust within in some ways. I don't mean to go off on a tangent here, but I, I just thought I'd kind of present that because there was such a fervor to work for them, to be part of that mix, to be part of that talent pool uh, a number of years ago. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I think that the thing is, it's not so much about giving them the job; it's about actually giving them the thing that this profile underlines they don't have, Access. which is the trust, yeah. right? The ability to actually make these decisions, and that's why I said what I said, which is this: is if there is going to be a new Jerry Butts, and maybe we shouldn't take Jerry Butts himself off the table here, but <laughs> it's going to have to be somebody that the prime minister trusts, because otherwise, l- listen. Can you imagine coming in as a one AI in command, like a one yep. A in command, to that fucking dynamic where those two have worked together and un- can read each other's oh, minds yeah. for the past eight years plus? Like your your chances of convincing anybody of anything are somewhere between slim and none. So you're gonna have to have the trust of the decider. And I just don't know that many people that could build that that quickly, that confidently in a meaningful way. Like it's it's just a difficult thing to imagine. I I agree with you, but let me give you the counter argument. How about someone who's got nothing to really lose and who stakes their reputation being like, you are down and you are out unless you take a swing and I'm here to give you a pathway to take a swing. And if that character sounds familiar, right? Like it's, it's because we know those folks, right? Like that they come in and they say like, this is what you need. This sure. is like they need a sense of confidence as much as they need a sense of here's what to what to ultimately do and and, and take but a look, shot. Look at Carter, what they what give think? up, right? So that person now comes in. They're coming in on uh, the last two years of the uh, of the Trudeau. Let's just say they start tomorrow. Trudeau dynasty. Two years, right? Exactly. So it's two years and and uh, a month or so. Two years, almost two years to the day. Sure. Um, so great, you've got two years to turn around a sinking ship. So you come in, and the truth is that. Um, if you lose, you are not able to lobby for a, what, a five-year program, a five-year period. You're, you're on the outs. Uh, I mean, you could work as a consultant, I suppose, and, and still be able to do some of those pieces. But 
you're, you're in a conflict of interest situation. Um, you're, you're giving up an awful lot. Your reputation's going to be, uh, tied up in whether you succeed or fail. Sure. If you win, you're, you're God, but if you lose, you're going to be the guy who lost the dynasty, right? We, we saw this when, when went back in the day with Redford, right? In 2012, I was going to be the guy who lost the dynasty, Right. It was me and Susan Elliott and uh, Robert Hawks and Allison Redford. We were going to lose the dynasty. And, you know, that's a little bit of pressure. That's a little bit of pain. I mean, you don't want to be the person coming in to do that. And so you really need to be given the keys to the castle. And we don't have the the paid political uh, person for hire culture here. I mean, how many people are there? Mm. Like, I'm a paid political hack. Right. How many of the, us are there? There's just let me. me just, let me just turn this back to you. Let me just turn this back to you, Carter. If you and I, I give you these hypothetical all the time, that's no longer a hypothetical okay. in a sense. Like if you actually got this call tomorrow, Stephen Carter, like, and, and I, you know, as much as we make fun of you, you're one of the most talented communicators and you have great instincts about this. If you got this call tomorrow, you're one of the handful of people that I would be thinking of. Would you do this gig? I feel like I'm, I'd be interview, being interviewed by, uh, you know, in the West Wing, what was the guy's name, you know, who came in and was going to run Bartlett's campaign, re-election campaign? And he asks, do I get direct access to the principal? Bruno. Bruno, Bruno. Right? And and if you get direct access... Corey wouldn't know because he doesn't like it. No, TV. he doesn't like it. <laughs> he doesn't understand it. Um, he doesn't like anything but, hopeful. If you get direct access to the principal, then you can at the very least think, you know, egotistically and let's be clear it'd be very strongly an ego ego play you could say i could change their minds i could take them in the right direction i know where to go but realistically that's just ego right realistically it's going to be super duper hard to get through the door when you need to get through the door and so i don't know i mean i would have to have a sit down with the with the prime minister in which he said listen, I know we're in the soup and I need you to get me out of it. And that type of language would appeal to my ego. Any other language ain't going to work because it has to be an ego play. It's the only reason. Corey's, Corey's been shaking his head like every 15 oh, seconds. Yeah, Hogan, I, you know, jump in. Eyes from, went from the flattery, from the flattery of no. Stephen Carter to the answer that Carter gave. What, what, what do you object to the most, Corey? I mean, I object to the notion that deathbed conversions mean anything. It wouldn't mean shit to me. That Justin Trudeau said, I really need you. I think that we'd have to look at past performance. That's why you're not getting asked. That's why you're not getting asked. Well, we would see that the group is getting smaller and smaller. And I think a lot of the reality of the situation is this can't be a cold call. This can't be a consultant. This has to be a call from inside the the house. house? It would have to be somebody. There are people inside the house. house. There are people that Justin Trudeau can talk to and trust. And he's going to have to look and say... Maybe they're not as senior as I would otherwise like. Maybe they're not as, uh, you know, as fluent in French as I would otherwise like, or fluent in English. Let's not make it one way or the other. Let's find somebody whose mind works in that storytelling way that I can implicitly trust. I can move forward. I'll tell you that, something. That person would be in well, already if well, they can could. I, can if I, they... Oh, I've, well, no, I've, no, no, I've no. got a Listen, follow up for both of you on this. Go oh, ahead. Sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. They barely beat Sheer, they barely yeah. beat O'Toole. There is so much baggage. They are so high on their own supply. Somebody needs to actually craft a bit of a story here. But it doesn't work if the person who's supposed to read it isn't going to read it. And so for me, number one, and, and in a funny way, this profile, in a funny way, this profile really underlined it for me. 
It needs to be somebody he can work with, he can trust. You've got two introverts running the government right now, and you're trying to elbow up and say, oh, I'm going to be the third. You, my friend, a personality like yours, an outsider's personality, and there's nothing against you. Oh, no. You'd be They're fucking never crushed calling. in They're that never environment. Um, but the point... I'm not talking about the specifics you, but I'm saying anybody of your cut is going to but get fucking doesn't it crushed. need to be like you you're making up a person right you're making up an individual that doesn't exist in this system and i was when i brought this up initially i asked you because you're here but i i should be clear like the whole like the whole sort of composite image was br- for that very reason so we're not talking about a specific person until we did we doing like but jamie yes. watts gonna get a phone call like like who's who's well- out there to do this <laughs> right like well, okay. I, l- let me ask you. Let me ask you a question, actually, uh, because we're deep in this, uh, and I Fucking like. It. Hurley's going to come off the bench. Fucking, that would be a disaster. I mean, he barely does a podcast. <laughs> Jesus Christ, um, would this have to be someone in house, twelve hours a day, Carter, or do or do? You, or, but this is to both of you. Like, if you yeah. were structuring this role, or is this a consultancy? Uh, let me listen. Ask, I, let me ask I, you I, both questions. At I once. already think the problem is that they're not going to listen <laughs> to them. Right, and they're someone, not going to be yeah, there either. Someone's, I mean, that's someone sitting in the in, in the okay. in the in the liberal uh, party office isn't even going to have their fucking phone so, calls returned. Oh, let let, like, let me summarize the last twenty minutes for yeah. everybody. Uh, Corey says this person is is mythical, but exists within the infrastructure. Carter says this person doesn't exist. Thank you. Um, excellent work, guys. Excellent. Doesn't work. exist. Last question on this. Could they? Could you go? Could you go down south to find this person? No. Like, no. this is a crazy notion. Like, this is a, like, but in some ways, and I actually am thinking of a person, right? Could you say, like, could you go with, like, Obama's retired architect on something like this? Master storyteller, clearly has a relationship with the Democrats. Could you tap Axelrod and be like, dude, could you do this for me? Well, like, talk, just walk me okay. through this. I'm, so, sure, I'm sure there's, like, hairy issues around. Yeah. Here's, I, 100%. Here's the challenge. A, what I like is it's somebody that I think the prime minister might actually take seriously and listen yes. to. Yes. Hate everything else about it. Yeah, okay. Doesn't know anything <laughs> about the country. Like, actually, that's you could go and get somebody like that for Katie's job if it's about numbers and trains on tracks and making sure things are running. But if you've got talking. to actually feel what the narratives are in this country and have a sense for them and have some background in it. And if you're just coming from outside, what, what are you going to be like? There's a lot of political Igloos and maple syrup? Are a you lot fucking of politi- kidding? I mean, there's a lot of people disagree with that. I, I get the point, but I mean, I, I think it's yeah, thin. I mean, I make, uh, I, I drop into markets all the time, Corey. Like, you know, like you're going to drop into a market. It's okay. You can learn Carter, about Carter, market. your take on that. Your take on that. If if they need a storyteller at an expert level who's done this before, we don't – Corey thinks it's a mythical person on the inside that definitely exists but more than oh, likely no. doesn't. You think it's Here's no what one. I'm doing. Could they go? Here's downtown? what I'm doing. What would you do? I'm calling Axelrod and I'm saying I need you to front this for me, right? Because he's the only one who's going to be listened to by the prime, prime minister. And I will tell Axelrod what to say in the meetings and he will say them and then we'll be okay. Because oh, you're talking about you in particular. Oh, you you're not, you're, that's like a the abstract. Now listen, yeah, that's the only way to do it. I, I have no problems with campaign managers coming from afar. We are specifically talking about the yeah. storyteller in chief, yes. Yes, and the storyteller in chief needs to know our stories as a country, and that just would not happen if you got somebody from elsewhere. Uh, I'm going to leave that segment there. We didn't get to the the India story, not because hey, I, we don't I did want all to, the because it research on the India time. story. Well, that's fine. Well, okay, well, fucking then give me your five minutes. It was Carter. bad. India okay. shouldn't have done <laughs> did that. <your> <laughs> <laughs> Corey, anything to add? 
I don't want to. I mean, I want to. But now I feel like I'm giving it a like a very quick treatment, which I don't want to. Yeah, it's it's yeah. too big to get into in two minutes here. I, I mean, yeah. I think this is significant. I think it's massive for Canada. I think it's massive for India massive in ways far world. beyond Canada. Like you, you have. I mean, Modi. I, I mean, I, here we go. We can't really get into it. Like, but this yeah, is yeah. like this is just do your WhatsApp anti version of it, and then Carter, you could do your just like we are your forward, your WhatsApp forward. I mean, let's just say that when we've watched India's governance in the past decade, there's been a lot of stuff that's made us raise our eyebrows and say, "What's happening yeah. here?" You know, but like the whole world has dealt with some democratic backsliding, so it had to be considered in that context. This is just another brick in that wall, and but really really problematic and and i think it deserves to be unpacked in more than just a couple of minutes at the end massive for canada's relations with the most populous country in the world and lest we forget and i know nobody listening to this does india i mean the relationships between canada and india very very tight million i mean i think it's what 1.5 million Mm -hmm. more than that uh canadians of indian descent like that's It's really material. And so I, I think it's worth unpacking on a on a separate show. A couple of shout outs. Uh, Katie Telford profile, Shannon Proudfoot. That was a great profile. I agree great completely. Profile. You guys both, both mentioned mean, it, it okay. and to the World Sick Organization. They've, they, they were advocating for this story for a long time that came out today. Uh, Carter, you've, you've read better or have you, uh, uh, have you delivered I'm better? I'm just saying, I've, uh, I've read you better. Written your... I mean, it's, okay. you know. We're going to go to our, to our over, under, and our lightning round. Uh, Stephen Carter, give me the mantra that Justin Trudeau needs to um, fundamentally capture in this, uh, in this uh, sitting. As, as, as the House is back, what is the mantra that he needs to fundamentally um, capture as as the house comes back. It's about it's about Canadians, you idiot. You know, it's about reflecting Quite, right now. Reflect, reflect, reflect. Oh, okay. Reflect, Carter. I like that. It's about Canadians. Reflect, Corey. What's the mantra he needs to capture? He'll he'll stand up. He'll make statements. They'll have their their ongoing battles. Him and Pierre Polyev. What is the mantra you want him to keep repeating as he has those those day to day daily uh, tiffs? Stevens is a good one, right? It's not about you. It's about them. It's identifying the things that actually resonate with Canadians. And it's actually listening to that information too. I I get the sense that sometimes Justin Trudeau looks at issues in front of Canadians the way somebody in their 20s dates being like, oh, I can change her or I can change him, right? Like they're, they don't see it my way, but I can, I can yeah. change them. And he, he needs to sort of take Canadians as they are, where they are and speak to them through those lenses. This is a good first step, I think, his approach to housing and his approach to uh, grocery prices. But it's like step one on a 1000 step journey. So let's see where he goes from here. Corey, same thing. Mantra, Pierre Polyev, this house, what is it? It's, I mean, just keep doing what you're doing. It's, he's clearly got the initiative right now and he should not let go of it. Uh, the more he can keep the prime minister reacting to him, the better off he'll be. Carter? I'm Pierre Polyev and people like me. <laughs> let me ask you a follow up question on that to both of you. On a scale of one to 10, the risk, the political risk for Pierre Polyev of falling too much in love with himself and his own words and his own rhetoric and his own way of being, right? He clearly is on a high after Quebec City. Um, he seems to really dig what he's up to. But like the risk of politicians of falling in love with themselves and their words, where do you, st- currently, 
for pure polyev, where does that risk lie on a one to ten scale, Carter? Well, it's it's got to be like at a, at a nine or ten. I mean, he th- this is the risk that we all face. We all read and write our own press releases, right? We're all fucking amazing, and then, but we this the the electorate. It's very unforgiving and it's very temporary. Everything is very temporary. So if you start getting a little high on your own supply, it is a very good chance you will be knocked down by the electorate in very short order, especially when you're in the middle of the systemic change that that uh, Pierre Polyev is in. Like he's in a really risky place. People are saying, oh, I like this new guy. But if he turns back into the old guy, they're not going to like that. Corey, where, where do you peg that risk right now of, of him kind of get, I like Carter's phrase, like getting high on his own supply sort of thing, falling in love with himself. What is the political risk term right now? One being very low, 10 being pretty high and should be, should be quite cautious. Well, look, he followed up his passport video, which was very good with his wood fondling video, <laughs> which I'd forgotten the wood, which is all video. I need to say yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what I would say to Pierre Polyev is you're good. You're really good but you're not as good as you think you are. So while you might want to trust your instincts, you don't want to surrender to them. Oh, that's good. Oh, nice. Very, very nice. Corey, Daniel Smith is in on hydrogen EVs. Are you in on Daniel Smith being in on hydrogen EVs? Hydrogen EVs. EVs like so hydrogen creating yeah. electricity she yeah she she's yeah. so so the, the context of this story is that yeah she believes the future is bright for for zero emission vehicles on her radio show this past weekend she said you know I could be open to an electric I'm paraphrasing here but I I would like a uh, I think our solution is zero emission vehicles is hydrogen and they're already there and she would consider getting one herself are you in so, on Daniel Smith talking about hydrogen electric vehicles? Well, there's like there's kind of like hydrogen electric combos and there's hydrogen combustion oh, vehicles, just to be court. clear. So there's like some some differences there. Are you telling you me know, or are you telling her directly? Because I felt like this was a- I'm not a, even sure. I think, I think it's, it's to her. her. I think it was to her. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. She listens. That's what I, yeah, She's that's a listener. Here's what I would say. We got her in the Discord. It's- it's just- <laughs> <laughs> If we do, that'd be wild, man. Um we should call her in for an interview. West Center had her on. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like we should do the same. For sure. And ask that's who we're going to start questions. doing interviews I don't th- with. I don't think we... Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. not going to be our first interview here. Why not? Um, I, think, I think it could work well. Okay. All we right. Can break through my ad strategy. Talk about everything we did. It would be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Corey. Okay. I, look, I think that the idea that hydrogen vehicles might save us all is an interesting one people have had for a long time. But... As it stands right now, it's an absurdly expensive. The infrastructure exists only in a couple of places. Say what you will about EVs. And yeah, we talk a lot about the charging infrastructure across the country. Do you know what the predominant place you charge an EV is? Yeah. Your house, using an outlet that you already have, right? Like the infrastructure is in some ways resolved for short trips. But when you talk about hydrogen, you're talking about creating stations with a fairly volatile gas And they don't exist in a lot of places, and they're not sold in a lot of places. And in many ways, the lift is much, much bigger, I think. People accuse people who have EVs of magical thinking. I think hydrogen has a much longer road to walk. And that's not to say I don't see a place for hydrogen. I think hydrogen makes a lot of sense for things like trucking, right, where you've got to be able to get back on the road right away. I think hydrogen makes a lot of sense for shipping, might even make some sense in airplanes. Not entirely sure about that. But... um, In terms of vehicles where the average car trip is tens of kilometers and you get to plug it in at the end of the night. No, I mean, I'm sorry. EVs have got that, you know, 
just totally locked up at this point. Carter had Corey had much more substance than I thought. Well, let me let me let me but answer like, it. It was almost a bit of a let life. me answer it a little bit. It was a bit chat ish for me, but it's uh, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Well, let me let me answer it, Zane. Are you in or out on Danielle's in I, on hydrogen? I love hydrogen as a potential fuel source, and I think that it'd be great for Alberta to have it. But we don't get to wish these things into place or wish them into being. And the truth of the matter is, the technology that is the most able to be uh, you know deployed is electricity. And um, we have opportunities to do as well in that market as we do in, in, in the hydrogen market. So unfortunately, the premier shut that down. So you just this it's the picking of winners and losers that ultimately destroys um, government. And, and she's supposed to be a conservative. She's supposed to be someone who does, who believes in the free market. And the free market is taking us predominantly towards uh Electricity. I totally agree with Corey. The the trucking side, I don't think that the trucking side is going to be, the solutions are going to be electric. I mean, I love the electric trucks that are coming out. They're fantastic. But I I think that the range issue is going to be really difficult for tr- long range trucking. Um, but hydrogen may be a really good solution there. Carter, final question. I'll start with you yeah. on this one. The Liberal Caucus retreat. <sighs> they did yeah. it. Was that Let's use a six-month timeline. Was that the bottoming out for the Liberals? <laughs> well, as you know, I'm excellent at predictions. Um, yeah, yeah. Lay, lay, lay it on us, Carl. I, I don't believe so. I, I think that there's... Really? There's, uh, they're back in the, in the house today, uh, and I think they're going to suffer a bit more because they still... While they've had a pretty decent week from our point of view... Uh, within the general population, I'm not sure they're going to be saying, well, yeah, I think they've really turned it around for us. So I think that the liberals are still going to suffer for a little while. Corey, have they bottomed out? Yeah, politics like Lake Superior has no bottom, right? Like there's always another bottom. You can get to 406 meters down if you really try hard enough and they're miles from there. Here's the thing. Um they have an opportunity to kind of refocus with a session. A session is a great yeah. thing for focusing an unruly caucus because you have your enemy three or two sword lengths across from you. You know, you can argue with them, you can fight with them, they become the enemy. But if nothing has materially changed by the time they break for the winter, the grumbling's going to come back again right where it ended up, right where it was before. And that's not to say they're going to have clear sailing between now and then either. So in some ways... I don't want to sound overly dramatic, but it does feel a little bit like this is the this is the last exit do or die session for Trudeau, which is not to say he'll be ousted after this session. But I think you can start writing those political obituaries if he's still down 14 points in the polls after this session. I do. I, like, I, ju- I just don't know how you turn that you. around. Who lied to Corey that Lake Superior has no bottom? I don't know. He's, he's got a troubled childhood there. We're going to leave it there. That's a wrap on episode 1253 of The Strategist. My name is Zane Belger. With me, as always, Stephen Carter, Corey Hogan, and we will see you next time.